Is this thing on? Hello folks, I'm Robert Lewis, and you're listening to Radio Americana. Radio Americana is brought to you by Lint Lifter. My guest is a local singer-songwriter in Detroit area. He's been around for quite some time. His name is Billy Brandt. Now, I had talked to Billy a couple of times, and he seemed like a pretty cool guy. Never really, we never really talked that much, but you know, we were cordial. It was cool. So I asked him if he would come on to my show and and talk. And that was like over a year ago. That was back in 2020, right when all the all the stupid stuff hit. So we just kept putting it off and putting it off. So finally, just last week, he came on over and we sat down. This is the first time I really got to hear him speak or, you know, really say something. And let me tell you, he's a he's a fun guy to be around. He's funny. Just a all-around good dude. And uh, I had a really good time sitting down talking, talking to him about his life and his adventures and some of his music influences and stuff. So, without further ado, let's get into this. I give you Billy Brandt.
All right, you're listening to Radio Americana. I'm your host, Robert Lewis, and I'm sitting here with Billy Brandt. Brandt. That's my, my name. I always <laughs> want to call you Billy Ferris. Oh, because I look like Billy. Yeah, you guys could be brothers. Yeah, we've been told that we were like brothers from a different mother. It, <laughs> have, you're not the first to notice that. <laughs> have, have you guys ever played together? Um, I don't really think so. Maybe um, we used to be managed or booked by a, a woman named Marla Swartz. And Gary Rasmussen was her boyfriend, and him and Billy played a lot together. I remember that. I'm not sure we all played together. But I know Billy. He's good. And he does have the same kind of uh, Middle Eastern hippie Semitic thing yeah. going on. Yeah. I used, <laughs> I used to always say you look like Frank Zappa, and he got mad at me. He goes, quit saying that. I well, don't I look d- like Frank Zappa. Well, I can sort of see where you're coming from <laughs> with that. It's the same kind of... Um, Swarthy, yeah. curly, long hair thing going right, on. Right. Yeah, we, we 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 look alike. Billy's a cool cool yeah. guitar player. I like the way he plays. It. Yeah, he's just good. I heard a I heard a version of uh, I can't remember the name of the song. It's a Van Morrison song, "Into the Mystic," and Billy plays that. And I wanted to send him a message, and and uh, I heard it was by Jason Isbell, and I wanted to tell Billy I heard that today by. Jason Isbell, and it's almost as good as your version. It's got a lot of cool licks in that yeah, song. Yeah, and Billy. When that foghorn blows, do 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 do. That's those double stops yeah. that roll up the the neck. And, yeah, yeah, and Billy just do 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 do. He's so good. Yeah, he it. plays the horn part on the guitar. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. But anyway, enough about Billy Ferris. Let's talk about Billy Brandt. What do you want to talk about? Well. You've oh. had a lot of things you wanted to ask me over the last couple of years, I know. Yeah, and now I can't think of anything. I of can it. see that in your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, want to so. talk about songs? <laughs> Songwriting? Well, well, when did you start when did you start writing songs? When did you, How long have you been Let's start with the guitar. When did you start playing guitar? Okay. 10 years old, my parents came back from Guaymas. Uh-huh. Uh Mexico, which they had friends in Tucson. It's 60 miles from the border. Okay. And they brought back uh, a classical guitar that you get in the um, art market. It was... Is this thing on? Hello folks, I'm Robert Lewis, and you're listening to Radio Americana. Radio Americana is brought to you by Lint Lifter. My guest is a local singer-songwriter in Detroit area. He's been around for quite some time. His name is Billy Brandt. Now, I had talked to Billy a couple of times, and he seemed like a pretty cool guy. Never really, we never really talked that much, but you know, we were cordial. It was cool. So I asked him if he would come on to my show and and talk. And that was like over a year ago. That was back in 2020, right when all the all the stupid stuff hit. So we just kept putting it off and putting it off. So finally, just last week, 
he came on over and we sat down. This is the first time I really got to hear him speak or, you know, really say something. And let me tell you, he's a he's a fun guy to be around. He's funny. Just a all-around good dude. And uh, I had a really good time sitting down talking talking to him about his life and his adventures and some of his music influences and stuff. So, without further ado, let's get into this. I give you Billy Brandt. you're listening to Radio Americana. I'm your host, Robert Lewis, and I'm sitting here with 
Billy Brandt. That's my name. I always want to call you Billy Ferris. <laughs> oh, because I look like Billy. Yeah, you guys could be brothers. Yeah, we've been told that we were like brothers from a different mother. It, <laughs> have, you're not the first to notice that. <laughs> have, have you guys ever played together? Um, I don't really think so. Maybe um, we used to be managed or booked by a, a woman named Marla Swartz. And Gary Rasmussen was her boyfriend, and him and Billy played a lot together. I remember that. I'm not sure we all played together. But I know Billy. He's good. And he does have the same kind of uh, Middle Eastern hippie Semitic thing yeah. going on. Yeah. I used, <laughs> I used to always say you look like Frank Zappa, and he got mad at me. He goes, quit saying that. I well, don't I look like Frank Zappa. Well, I can sort of see where you're coming from <laughs> with that. It's the same kind of... Um, Swarthy, yeah. curly, long hair thing going right, on. Right. Yeah, we, we 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 look alike. Billy's a cool cool yeah. guitar player. I like the way he plays. It. Yeah, he's just good. I heard a I heard a version of uh, I can't remember the name of the song. It's a Van Morrison song, "Into the Mystic," and Billy plays that. And I wanted to send him a message, and and uh, I heard it was by Jason Isbell, and I wanted to tell Billy I heard that today by. Jason Isbell, and it's almost as good as your version. It's got a lot of cool licks in that yeah, song. Yeah, and Billy. When that foghorn blows, do 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 do. That's those double stops yeah. that roll up the the neck. And, yeah, yeah, and Billy just do 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 do. He's so good. Yeah, he it. plays the horn part on the guitar. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. But anyway, enough about Billy Ferris. Let's talk about Billy Brandt. What do you want to talk about? Well. You've oh. had a lot of things you wanted to ask me over the last couple of years, I know. Yeah, and now I can't think of any I of it. I can see that in your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, Want to so. talk about songs? <laughs> Songwriting? Well, well, when did you start When did you start writing songs? When did you, How long have you been? Let's start with the guitar. When did you start playing guitar? Okay. Ten years old, my parents came back from Guaymas, uh-huh. uh, Mexico, which they had friends in Tucson. It's 60 miles from the border. Okay. And they brought back uh, a classical guitar that you get in the um, art market. It was 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was a classical guitar with steel strings on it. Oh, okay. Um, I quickly changed them to yeah. gut strings. And I, I might have started lessons. I like to sing. Singing was my thing. And I said, this is great. Now I have something to accompany me. I already played piano and wasn't interested. What I wanted to do was sing Peter, Peter Paul and Mary songs. Uh-huh. Um, Lime Lighters. Do you remember the Lime Letters? Yeah. Uh, Not me. Um, yeah, they were a folk group. Little. Folk group in 1964. They had a lead singer named Glenn Yarborough who went solo. It was one of the first ones to leave the band to go on the solo thing. And he had, yeah, baby, the rain must fall. That's Glenn Yarborough. <laughs> Wherever my heart leads me. And anyway, I wanted to do that. So immediately took to the idea i saw these little chord charts and maybe i took some lessons i did take some lessons but what i wanted to do was happening really quick i saw the music you could buy with the chord chart and the vocal line and within i swear weeks it was easy for me to figure out the dg and gc right, and d chord right, right. and start playing along to blown in the wind or something right, right. so i was off and running i was loving it what was the first song you ever learned that's a good question but i might i'm leaning on um if this wasn't it, but what I'm remembering from that era is uh, Roger Miller's uh, trailer for sale. Oh, right on. <laughs> That's a cool song. King of the Road, yeah. Right, right on. <laughs> right, right. I met Chris Christopherson one time. I told him one of the first songs I ever learned was Silver Tongue Devil. Ooh, and, and deep. He, and he says, well, it doesn't look like it hurts you none. 
That's a good Chris story. Yeah, yeah. He was everything. They say don't meet your heroes, but he was everything I hoped he would be, man. He he was personable. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, he, he stood there for a half hour talking to everybody. So Yeah, he's yeah. a cool dude. And yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's, I, I love him. I've, I've, got always... a, I've got a jacket, a blue jean jacket. He signed it. He actually signed it so you can, you know, read it. He says, this is going to wash out. And I said, no, it's not, because I'm never going to wash this jacket. Ever again. again. <laughs> and I haven't. I haven't. It's like six years old since he's done that. So I haven't. That wasn't it. at that solo show at Royal Oak Music Theater. It was. It wasn't the last one he did. It was the one. Before that. Be- before that. Two years before that. Yeah. Yeah, because the last one he did, he, he didn't say a word during that whole show. Yeah, and he didn't come outside and talk to anybody either. Yeah, I think he was ailing a bit. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. From what I hear, mm-hmm. um, some memory issues. Mm-hmm. But it's certain, he remembered all the songs. Yeah, yeah. He was having a problem playing guitar, too, because he's arthritis, whatever. So Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so you think the last song, the first song you ever sang was probably... It was some. It was that or some Peter Paul and Mary. Yeah, it, it could have been. You take a stick of bamboo off the first album by Peter Paul and Mary, uh, which is, right. um, yeah, it was folk music. It was vocal music. Um, it was turning me on. I'm even pop was going with lots of vocal type groups, and I don't mean vocal groups like the Shirelles and the girl groups. Mm-hmm. It was getting more kind of folk rocky. We're getting bands from Australia. By '64 or '5, we had the Seekers. Mm-hmm. You know with there's a new world someday. Mm-hmm. You know, old guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm an old guy. But that was um but there was a lot of vocal groups right, right, and it right. mattered because I liked the harmony singing. Right. That's what attracted me. You know, I lived in Detroit. I could have been a better guitar player if I would have just been a little more like my friends and focused on blues and mm-hmm. learning some Chuck Berry licks and right, stuff. Right. Yeah. It just wasn't to be. Right. I'm into that now. I'm right. trying to catch up at 67 <laughs> desperately, right. Right and I'm loving playing anything like that. But at the yeah. time, I just wanted to sing, sure. and I wanted to sing in harmony. Right. That was um like I I remember sitting in the back of my. We're gonna leave 64 now. It's more like 66 or 65. Sitting in the back of my parents' country squire station wagon, which faced backward. Mm-hmm. I mean, today you couldn't do that because... The, I remember those. Yeah, yeah you know, all yeah. the uh, fumes from the yeah. engine, the exhaust fumes. <laughs> but And I remember those tube radios, which it, it sounded great. Uh-huh. AM radio and a tube radio. CKLW. Sounded like fucking heaven, <laughs> man, in right. your ears. Yeah. Anyway, I think I was hearing like California Dreamin' or Mr. Tambourine Man. Right. And I was just thinking, thinking to myself... I want some of what they got. Right. I want some of that. Yeah. What is that thing? <laughs> and then, by then I might have been about 12 and okay. pretty straight in every way. Yeah. I was my dad's son. I was going to be a good boy. But that yeah. music, did it just <laughs> tweaked me. And I went, right. no, there's more out there than Little League. There, um, yeah, um, there's more out there than, um, yeah, there's more out there. I want it. <laughs> so when did, you, uh, when did you realize you wanted to play your own music? Well, playing my own music might have taken a minute. Um, 64, get a guitar. 66, learning a lot of songs. 67, you know, I wasn't thinking about writing songs till about maybe 68 or 9. I was 14 or 15. I would get home from school every day and um, get high and play my guitar. 
you know, I was supposed to do my homework. My dad bought me. My dad really enabled me. He's like, oh. I said, what, what do you want? I want a Martin like Steve Stills has, because right. by now it's 67 or 68, right. okay? Yeah, yeah. And I'm listening to all this great acoustic folk rock music. It started with listening in the Country Squire Wagon, right. listening to uh, the birds and, and mamas and papas. But I, I, I went down that rabbit hole fast. Uh-huh. I found out who everybody was, what was going on. And then I remember Retrospective came out. Buffalo Springfield's really important band. I don't know if that's in your, in your right. canon of things, but for me it's a very important band. And the way they were mixing rock and roll and acoustic guitars, the mixes were off the charts. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's that guitar? Right. It was a Martin. I had to have a Martin. I got a Martin. I got it at Grinnell's downtown from some salesman named Mr. Schuyler, who would never have talked to me. But I came in with my dad, and he came in up like a, like a car salesman. He had <laughs> he, cufflinks, uh-huh. little tie things, cuffling things. He was dressed to the nines with shiny gold shit on a striped shirt, came up to my dad like he was selling him a new Buick. Because Grinnell's was like a really, it was a piano company. They were there to sell the family pianos because that's what was happening in America. You might even get a Lowry organ. But the guitar thing was just starting, so they opened this little, begrudgingly opened this little room, and they put guitars in there. But the same salesman was selling them. So he wouldn't talk to any of the musicians of the time. Like, I used to play the guy named Nolan Mendenhall, and he was, he was uh, about three years older than me, and it was real, for real, stone cold, long hair to his, way, to his butt, hippie in 1968, came from um, whatever town. He came from Kansas or something. He, was, he knew that salesman. Uh-huh. He goes, I went in there one day. I know who you mean. That guy wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't even let me touch a bass. But, but I went in with my dad. So I got this Martin, and um, it, that changed everything. That thing sounded some, like really, really good. And it, I was getting inspired, and the pot was helping. And by about 11th grade, I was always making up songs. It's amazing. But I wasn't really writing them yet. I was just more riffing, coming up with right. a line or a chorus. Actually, I was doing it no different than right. I do it today. <laughs> I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about how a, how. A, a well-sounding guitar can be so inspiring inspiring to play. Like, you're just playing the same three chords you always play, but on a good guitar, they just sound so different, like like angels playing harps. You know? I so, totally understand your analogy. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you, I yeah. used that same analogy when, <laughs> for my songwriting theory, uh-huh. which has, you know, don't think I'm too Rasta, but I got, I, I'm an, I, I got, it has to do with the fact of, how three chords can sound one way, and then how three chords can sound like angels singing, and you <laughs> yeah. are ready. You hear that melody. Yeah, it's man. coming from a mile away. You can yeah. see it like a comet coming right for your right. brain, right. and you got it. Yeah. Um, so it's a guitar sometimes. For me, it's one puff of marijuana. <laughs> not two, not three. Right. One puff. It's just that- it just gets my head just turned to the left enough that... Instead of that G, C, and D sounding like fucking G, C, and D again, it sounds like, and that heart opens up, you're inspired, and that's the window. You got that minute. Because like Will's more, I can tell he spends more time in the lyric Mm -hmm. than I do. I can already tell because he's got a story to tell and he's good at it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's this melody thing. I need this. There's a melody hook that I got to get first. Mm -hmm. The words will follow. Mm -hmm. So... That's what happens in that moment of G, C, and D, sounding, wow. And then I tape it. I've been doing, I used to use cassettes. Right. Did the, in fact, I have a box of 500 song ideas, just 
just on cassettes. As we all I actually ordered yeah. cassettes that were like a, two minutes long. Uh-huh. So I, I would keep it. Actually, I used to keep them on my bedside right. in case I woke up dreaming a song. <laughs> like I woke up, I once heard that I won't. I just got out of a treatment center once, and I was still in detox. And I remember having lots of vivid ass dreams. Uh-huh. I just got home, and then I remember going to sleep one night, and I'm hearing. Love is like heroin. I said love, and it was Neil Young with these three chick backup singers like Tina Turner. It was a dream. <laughs> anyway, I got up and I taped the damn thing. Right. I might have it somewhere because I labeled everything, but the box is too deep. I can't go through it all. <laughs> and dusty. But that song is in there, you know, from like catching ideas on the fly. Right, right. That's yeah. my, one of my tricks I use. I don't waste an idea. If I think something's got a bit of inspiration in right. it. It doesn't have to be during a formal writing session if I can just grab it. That's one of the great things about having a so-called smartphone. Like when They're I, fantastic when for this. I, yeah, when I think I'm on to something, I'm about the phone, you know. No, sometimes it does. Yeah. Draw. Yeah. <laughs> I've got like 80, 90 things. Me too. I got 80, 90. It, it, same thing. Some of them won't even ever really become songs, but some of them do, you know. Or or if I'm looking for an idea, I'll go back and, oh, I can put that in this other thing. Or if you're looking so, for it, you just yeah. don't have something new that day. You right. Surprisingly, you look through that stash yeah. of 80 ideas. Yeah. You play them back five months later. Yeah. Maybe one you never, ever played back at all. Right. And you're going... I knew it was a good idea. <laughs> right. I yeah. knew it. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Because they usually are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, the thing with this. Uh, we'll get right to the songwriting thing because I have a theory on this. And I hope I've been following this theory most of my life. You got to really believe that everything you kind of let out of yourself is basically pretty good. Yeah. It's coming out for a reason. Yep. And if you don't fuck with it, yes. like, oh, that's not good enough. And I've used that line before. Yeah. I've, I've used on as a rhyme 16. T- I can't do that. <laughs> if you set up all these walls for yourself, right. you will find yourself walled in. Yep. Yep. But if you just let it kind of happen, it's amazing what you'll yeah. lo- like to learn to love right. over time. Yep. I learned that, like, when you write, I used to, when I first started doing it, it was like, um, I don't know if anybody will like this. And then I was like, eventually I was like, oh, fuck it. I like it. Exactly. And, it, and if I like it, chances are you're going to like it, you know? And if you don't, somebody else will. And if they don't, I don't care because I like it, you know? It's just, exactly. It's, it's just about writing the song. Redneck and, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Redneck Rich. I didn't like that song. Who's? I didn't like that song, but everybody I played it for liked it, and said, and I said, "What's the matter with you, dummy? <laughs> everybody else likes it." Exactly, and, and it's it, one of your songs that you were giving the business to. Yeah, you just yeah. wouldn't let it be, right. and then everyone kept yeah. saying it's good. You go, yeah. okay, you're right, it is. <laughs> so you think so, it's not because you get your. It's just I'm telling you, it's all ego. Yeah. It's always ego that gets mm-hmm. into the judging yes. position, right? And, and yeah, more than that, it's well. it's insecure ego, right. which is the the biggest devil. Because once you're insecure, God knows what you're going to do. Yeah, to and, and, make yourself feel better, to to protect yourself, you do all kinds of nasty shit to yourself. Yeah, you're always comparing yourself to somebody else. Oh, it's not as good as they do, you know. It's, but it happens know. in relationships. And that they, little insecure. They think the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I'm really, I try to remember not to judge me or anyone else's mm-hmm. 
in the when they're in the moment of creating art. Right. It just and I'll happen. I'll start getting my critic will come up going, really? I mean, and then I was like, Billy, shut the fuck up right, right. and just listen and let whatever they're doing or you're doing happen with before you start right. micromanaging this right. the, the right. scenario because nothing happens in that vacuum. Right. So when was the first time you played in public? Did you have a band or did you play solo? Um, I can remember. Um, some of the first, I think the first time was, first of all, in like 11th grade, there was this stoner kid I know who's a really straight business man today named Tom McCoy who took acid every day. I'm sorry. <laughs> every, he was a brilliant guitarist, tenor singer, harmony arranger, and even when he was tripping in 11th grade, he could tune his 12-string <laughs> like a bell. Uh -huh. I mean, I could barely tune that fucker. You know what right, I mean? Right. But he could. And we started doing songs in the hallway at study hall and stuff like that. Actually, it started in 10th grade in Farmington High. So if, you might want to call that public. We would. There was five of us. A couple of guys ended up big-time musicians. Mm -hmm. But we would play in the hallway for before school, lunch, study hall. And we had a little group. Mm-hmm. In 11th grade, I moved to another high school. I met this kid, Tom McCoy, and we were good. We took the, we wanted to do three-part harmony, and he was a good arranger, and I could hold my part. If he just gave me a part, I could do it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't making good harmonies then, but he was, and he knew it. As, you do this, and it worked. Kathy Ash, blonde, big tits. <laughs> she was the school number one cheerleader. She was like Miss America, mm -hmm. and we were like, we look like slackers from 1971. Right, and right, you could right. just watch the movie, whatever that movie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but we could sing and tune in harmony. She wanted part of this. Uh -huh. So we had a little group that used to play the pep rallies. I was in the choir, so I had a little matching vest with Tom. Even though my hair was out to here, I had uh -huh. a big Jufro. It was like big. <laughs> <A> Jufro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, Billy, like Billy Ferris does. I've never heard that before. That's well, you got to come from my neighborhood, man. You're not from my neighborhood. We know what they are. <laughs> anyway, and there was Tom, and then Kathy Ash in her big white sweater with these big tits, uh -huh. and and H, because uh -huh. um, it was Harrison High School. Okay. The first year anyone was in that building, Harrison. And we we play at the um, pep rallies. We did, and we would do stuff like um, so we actually did Southern Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a hard song because of actually today you couldn't even play that so you get slayed right. Right. for Lily Bell your hair's turn I seen your black man come that you get killed um, right. um, but we and we do find the cost of we had a little set and then they would do all the, the cheerleaders would do a cheer this was at the pep rally for the games right. I never went to the games it wasn't my thing right. but I love the pep rallies and I, of course I had to wear this little vest because I think the choir was involved too or something uh -huh. it was some kind of school shit right. so that was performance right. Yeah. And we did that, and we did a three-part harmony, and I thought we were pretty good. We were good. We were in tune. Uh -huh. We knew how to sing in tune, so we had that happening. Then I think um, the first kind of rock band was that year or 12th grade with, um, this could be boring. Uh, we just I, It's just what we did was different for Detroit. Had a band with, um, you know, Gary Weisenberg? You know Gary Weisenberg? The bass player, anybody know Gary? That what? name sounds very familiar. He's been around, playing around here yeah. since 1968. Okay. He's more of a folky then. Then he was a big bass player for bands that played the Grandy. His brother, Keith Weisenberg, me, this guy, Kerry Gluckman, that plays in my little trio that you see me online with now. Okay. Who plays the Cajon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I grew up next door to him since he was born. Anyway, we had a little band. But we did Jefferson Airplane. This is Detroit. 
I should have been doing some yeah. kind of blues rock thing, you know, because right. that's what everyone did out of Detroit. But we were sitting there playing the Jefferson Airplane at our at our um, high school talent show. I thought it was different. And then that's about it for high school. And my friends. Mm-hmm. We played music all the time. Um, every Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, we went to somebody's house, and we were playing music, singing harmony, mostly just guitars. Um, I know we did one thing in high school. We, did you ever read the Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test? I know who you're talking Tom Wolf. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic yeah, book. I've never read that, though. Um, no. If you liked Carlos Castaneda yeah. for any reason whatsoever, <laughs> whatsoever, read that book. Okay. <laughs> right on. I like it. He said he didn't. You didn't eat enough peyote buttons. What? You didn't eat enough peyote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um so were you involved with uh, scholastically in music or when you Yeah, were in I was in the choir. I took music theory. Um I was at war with all my teachers all the time because yeah. me and Tom were like we could do it on our own. Right. And they just were all about the only way you can do music is follow the teacher. Yeah, Read the notes in front of you. You don't know enough to improvise yet, Billy. You can't <laughs> How can you make a chord progression? You're not Bach. I I <laughs> I was a, I was a terrible student. <laughs> I was a terrible student in all in all phases of school, and uh, music class was no different. And they made it so boring too. Like I remember in elementary school, you know, the teachers, you know, he's having to sing these songs from the 1920s and the 1930s, like you know, my she's making eyes at me, you know, songs like that. It's like. What? <laughs> what is this? You know, it just <laughs> and, so, you, and you ended up a folk singer, man. <laughs> Look at that; it came back to bite you, yeah, a little and, bit. And then, you know, so I just never did well in any of it. But my mom was your family uh, musical. Was your mom and dad musical? No. no, they didn't play. My mom, my mom played piano when I was growing up. She could play boogie woogie. She get that. That's left amazing. Hand you heard that in your house. You know, she get yeah. that right hand going. And uh, she later sold the piano and bought a big Wurlitzer organ. She's like got her feet pumping the, the yeah. bass pedals, you know, and you know, and my dad could sing. He sang like this. You know? That's and, totally cool. <laughs> and he could whistle like you know. He had the old man whistle and. You know what I'm talking about? That's totally and, good. And, and, and yeah, so that's where I got my inspiration from for music. So, but uh, back I would have done it. Yeah, that's a <laughs> but, great story. And, man. And, and, and I always messed around. I always messed around with my mom's Wurlitzer organ and the piano, but I never really learned to play it. You know, I learned. Uh, I could do deep purple. You know, on the organ, you know. Well, that's I, good. I could never get past that part, though. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't add in the left hand? <laughs> no. I could never play with the, use my left hand. I can barely use my left hand for playing guitar. I have a, it, my hand's kind of, kind of crippled a little bit. So well, you're ugly, too. Well, yeah. My face is crippled, yeah. So, anyway. You know, Joni so, Mitchell had trouble with her left hand. Did she really? Because of polio. Uh-huh. And um, they all had polio. Neil Young had it, too. Um, and it, they say that's one of the reasons she got into these open tunings, because mm-hmm. she didn't have the strength mm-hmm. to do all the normal tuning right. chord positions. Okay. So she just okay. thought, kind of moving around like that, you right. know? Yes, yeah, so I, I used to stress left out hand. about it till I saw... Uh, 
What's a what's a gypsy guitar player that? Oh uh, yeah, Django Reinhardt. Django, with his two his fingers. Two fingers. One of the greatest guitar players ever considered, and uh, you know he's amazing. So I just I don't stress out about what I can do. I don't either. It goes back to exactly <laughs> what we were talking about a few minutes right. ago. This thing that we do yeah. doesn't rely on. First of all, it has nothing to do with having great chops or something. No, very little to do with that. Right. That that's nice if you can have it around you. Yeah, uh, put a little fairy dust on what you're doing, mm-hmm. but it's not the core of what mm-hmm. this thing is. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so, as long as you can play what makes you happy, kind of just keep the time together right. and breathe something out that feels real out of your voice. Right. You're you're already you're already all 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 already there. So as long as you remember not to beat your ass. Once you start kicking your ass, you're never. <laughs> oh, I there. always do. Then you're never I there. Always, I always do. Why is anyone <laughs> listening to my shit on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I get edited. I think I said too many other things that I shouldn't have said. No, so. that's not why. It just you just kind of post more. Of, you got to just you just build a following. Well, well, you know. Well, I don't want to talk about Facebook. So, okay. <laughs> uh, well, just about the music. Yeah, yeah. I was going somewhere with this. Um, so anyway, so songwriting, your music, uh, your your music is heavily influenced, and I can hear it by Crosby, Stills and Nash, the Birds, and stuff like that. Which, by the way, you turned me on to the birds i was always hip to the birds before but you you posted some bird song and and uh i started listening to it I was like wow that really is good stuff and which got me into that uh that country singer that played with the birds grand parsons grand parsons which but that's a very particular birds era by that, the way uh, right he was only there for a know, short, short time while but that sent me down another rabbit hole to grand parsons and it's like, wow! How did I miss this? You know, um, I, I have a. I remember when I got turned on to. I mean, first of all, I went to college at the University of Arizona, and things changed a bit from right there. University it's Tucson. It's nineteen seventy-two. Um, I was really still into the San Francisco and psychedelic bands, and um, I was walking on the on campus in front of the student union. Actually, I was just sitting in front of the union. You know, I'd go to class with like five rolled joints and bring my guitar and think I was going to go to all my classes. It was like a mile walk from my apartment. Get there, then you go to the three classes through the day. I ended up just sitting on the student union lawn smoking those joints to play my guitar. I didn't do well in school, but I met a guy, and his name was uh, Long John Silver. That wasn't his real name, but he wouldn't tell me his real name. Wouldn't yep. tell me his real name because that was a porno star, wasn't it? No, no, he was an outlaw. <laughs> and I'm I'm coming from suburban Oak Park, Michigan here, and uh, and then Farmington Hills, Michigan, and he had stories that I've never heard of. I didn't well, know anybody. Motorcycle club outlaw? Well, no, like no, he's just like out, was in jail. Just an outlaw. In got general. busted. Was been in jail. Oh, got okay. out. Got him back in jail. Yeah. That was new for me. Yeah. It was okay. Definitely new for me. Yeah, yeah. But he carried a guitar. He had a whole van full of gear, and a book of songs uh-huh. he was a songwriting motherfucker yeah and um he's a scorpio too <laughs> so I, of, I know are you a scorpio no i'm oh. a capricorn oh, okay <laughs> but i have a lot of scorpio partners oh, okay. and i've had many many in fact that girl i've been singing with she's scorpio oh right on elaine yeah anyway so i meet john and we start playing guitars together and I'm loving playing his original songs, uh-huh. and I have some ideas, and he's got some extra lyrics, so we put some songs together. Um, 
first thing he did was one day he puts this, pulls out this album called The Return of the Grievous Angel. Okay. And it's uh, Graham Parsons' yeah, second Parsons. solo album. Yeah. And I, I knew who Graham was because I actually had the Flying Burrito Brothers' first album, which is Graham Parsons, Chris Hillman. And I might have had it that year, and I liked it, but I wasn't all in yet with who Graham really could be or was. Right he was like Chris Hillman's partner, in my opinion, because I knew Chris Hillman better. Just got like the birds, and they were both in the birds. Okay. doesn't matter. I right. wasn't there. He puts this record down on the turntable one day, I remember. He goes, Billy, this is what's happening now. No more tripping all the time. Now it's time to go to the bar, have a beer, and <laughs> contemplate your life in America, your earthly life here. Listen to this shit. Wow. So, so I started listening to The Return of the Grievous Angel, which uh -huh. is, one of the, if you know the song, it's just one of the best tales. It's the cosmic American cowboy hippie. He is, he's a cowhand. Uh -huh. He's a priest. Uh -huh. He's an Indian. He's a soldier somewhere dying in... Uh, on some, some ridiculous war in America in 1965. Uh -huh. It's all in this song. Uh -huh. And the beautiful girl with the calico dress and the front porch, everything you that we're, that we're actually not even allowed to think about anymore uh -huh. was in that song. And I was just bowled over. Wow. I was a lifelong fan wow. that day. <laughs> and um, Grant Parsons, Scorpio, wow. too, by the way. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Graham. And that we started a band, me and John. We started this band. Um, two friends of mine that I went to high school with in Oak Park, Wish Oak Park, Michigan, were coming out to Arizona, and they did. They were staying on my floor. My parents paid for my rent because I was a student. Mm -hmm. I remember it was $75 a person, three bedrooms, 225 for the rent, this big three-bedroom, two-bath apartment. That was definitely affordable compared yeah. to now. Hell, yeah. And my buddies came out, and they just ended up sleeping on the floor in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everyone was following some yeah. kind of spiritual thing right then. We'd right. taken acid. Tim Leary was good. Baba yeah. Ram Das was better. Yeah. A little Alan Watts sprinkled in, but I never yeah. really read it. But I never really read any. I just knew it was cool. Yeah. And um, little and everyone, then there was this guru called Guru Maraji, which was really big in Tucson at the time. Uh -huh. My two buddies immediately were following the Guru Maraji. Uh -huh. Me, I, it wasn't my thing. I, I, I needed my... I couldn't be disciplined to follow a guru. Right, right. You know, I just, I didn't want to quit drugs. Right. You know, I just, I liked what they were doing. I felt the vibe. Their eyes were like, <laughs> they were like really in the yeah. spirit, man. Yeah. They had the spirit in them. Right. Like going to a Christian revival. Right. My friends would come back from their meetings and they were like, <laughs> like light. It's like, what did you do? Yeah. Like LSD, but they didn't take any, you know? Right. So those are my friends. From Oak Park, we were all into the same thing. I just couldn't right. get to the, that that rabbit hole. I couldn't go down the right. uh, the joining the guru thing. Right. They right. ended up living in the ashram, which is the house where they all live. Right. But we started a band with Crazy Long John Silver, the outlaw. Uh -huh. So we had the two guru guys, me half guru, <laughs> suburban, never touched anything dirty, never got in trouble. Right. But taking acid now and looking for why is this country song about America and its absolute fucking core roots? Why does it turn me on so damn much? <laughs> and why do I like to jam so much? Okay. And then there's Long John who writes those kind of songs, right. who's already been, you know, he's he's been running from the from the cops for four years. I didn't even know what that was about. Right. Didn't even understand it. And plus, his <laughs> his side job was. Running the Vancouver border with a friend of his that he knew, uh -huh. a van that they, they had a camper van with a, 
a 300 pound hold for pot that they would uh what does he do with fire uh, they'd seal it with a welder they oh, weld it oh, shut okay. so when john wasn't with me he was up running the border oh, okay which is another new thing for me like this guy <laughs> runs borders with 300 pounds we're a ragtag weird group oh. of different kind of people and we started playing together we called it jeremiah but we didn't have a drummer okay so my two guru friends mitch and saw were hitchhiking down speedway in tucson arizona they got picked up by this guy and um he didn't tell them much about him, but they were starting. To, they were all excited, going, "We're in a band!" And he goes, "Well, you know, I'm a drummer. I, my name is. I used to be called Vince Depola, and I played in Vegas for the last ten years. Actually, they called me. You can see it on the side of my drums that are in the back. It says Ice Depola. He was so cool that he was called Ice. <laughs> Truth was, today he was the head of another ashram. These guys that wore orange suits and stuff, the ones that Carlos Costa, Carlos Santana started following, oh, okay. and John McLaughlin. I think he was in that sect. Okay, but and he ran a house too. So he had three gurus, my pot r- border running friend, me, and we formed a really cool band. And we were really, uh, we started writing bunches of songs. We played all the clubs in Tucson. We weren't that tight but man we were inspired <laughs> and you've seen pictures i've posted on my of me playing in the desert yeah, yeah. that's that band oh no shit that's okay. jeremiah and we our swan song in that band was going out to the desert with a couple of generators in like 1974 and like a hundred tons of feet of extension cord <laughs> and the bass drum uh the case for the bass drum uh-huh. throwing it over the damn generator so it nulled some of the noise because the noise that generator you could hear it was a, it was a canyon it was outside of oh, tucson okay. in a canyon okay. it just rang for miles except for miles <laughs> but we set it up like that and put it 100 feet away from us covered yeah. it with the bass drum case and that picture you saw which is still on my page about two days down okay that was jeremiah playing in the desert doing all these original songs oh, we man. jammed john had great songs like indian warrior about treaties breaking yeah he was amazing, what actually. A great memory. What a good he was memory. just an amazing dude. He wow. still is, but he's gone through a lot of changes yeah. in his life. Yeah, he's still around, huh? Yeah, he lives in Northern California oh, okay. in uh, Redding. You talk to him at all? All the time. He's oh. always on my page. It's John Grillo. You got to friend okay. him because, by the way, you guys have a lot in common. All right. Right on. Maybe politically, I may. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. And you'll get along. He's a Scorpio, right. too. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's, uh, let's <clears throat> move forward a little bit. So, if, yeah, you were in a touring band or something for a while. You were doing something that was no, my thing was famous or something. Yeah, that was I went to work for one, and it wasn't as a musician. Um, at the end of my ten years in Tucson, I had a friend there who's from New York City, and they were in New York and they were producing shows, and they were starting this thing called merchandising, which we already saw with the Monkees and the Beatles, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a main ass thing until until the seventies. The Dead actually are probably the most one of the reasons people really got into the T-shirt thing. Mm-hmm. The whole, what do you got on? It, it, okay, it's a it's it's a band shirt. This is this is my friend uh, Pistol Pete or no uh, Hard Luck Pete. Hard Luck right. Pete. Right yeah. in the, the, the wrong way street. That whole thing actually, yeah. you can trace it. The you know it's pervasive because of the death. He's from Waterford, by the way. Hey Pete. Hey Pete. If you're listening. And uh, yeah, what I was doing was merch. Merch uh, is it was oh. a big business. It was 1980. I went to. I went to New York City to meet my buddy from Tucson's brother, and they put me on the road with who was I first go out with? Um, I think I first went on Pure Prairie League. 
Okay. I know how I ended up going out with these guys. Um, my friend, whose brother owned the company, was in Detroit with Marshall Tucker. He calls me on the phone. He goes, Billy, I need an ounce of blow. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope the statute of limitations are up. What year was that? It was a, it's like 25. For the, it's a long time ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, somehow I got a backstage pass and to Pine Knob and something was delivered. I don't know who delivered it. And um, <laughs> and um, I, I got to hang out with Marshall Tucker for the day. And then oh, Randy, my buddy, goes, we got Pure Prayer League going out in like six to eight weeks. Do you want to go on the tour? And I just got moved back from Tucson and Detroit. I, nothing was really going yet. I wasn't, but this offer was great. Like go on the road with, I jumped at it. What year was this? Early 70s? 1980. Seven, oh, 1980. Okay. So I went out with Pure Prairie League. And at that time, it wasn't the original Pure Prairie League. I don't know if you're hip to that band at all. But it used to have Craig Fuller singing. He did Amy. I've heard but, of him. Um, but who's the big country star um, ended up in that band? What's his fucking name? Let me love you tonight. Mm. You know, he's real straight. He plays golf now. <laughs> Uh, uh, now you, now I'm I really out. don't know. <laughs> I, oh no, you, I'll, I'll remember later. He's a very fit. So you're moving around with this with 38 this special. 38, oh, 38 special. That was the I band. Was Marshall Tucker. Um, I started with them. I went to Pure Prairie League. Oh, I know. I, I started Pure. I went out with Pure Prairie League, and then at the end of the Pure Prairie League tour, I went back to Connecticut where my boss lived, and I got a phone call. Mm-hmm. Me and my friend Randy, who got me this job. Mm-hmm. We were both off the road now from his Tucker thing, and then we were both on Pure Prairie. We were, we, that we were the merch guys. We were home. Right. Wanted a break. Wanted to hang out, spend some money. I get a phone call, he does, from his brother. And his brother says, they have a, they have a mutual friend. His name is Durf. Fred spelled backward. He he's he's like the straightest guy you've ever seen, and they put him out on the third. My friend's company put him out on Thirty Eight Special. Thirty Eight Special was like a family band. Everybody knew everybody. They all went to the same elementary school. It was it was hard to break into that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So Durf was not the right guy. He got beat up by the by their by their stage manager guy bc <laughs> so they i heard the phone randy they just beat up durf on the 38 special tour do you want to go out like tomorrow we need someone out there tomorrow <laughs> and randy's like he just hands the phone to me because i'm the new guy uh-huh. and lee goes lee goes billy can you go out on the road and i'm just going yes <laughs> yes i didn't want to go they just beat up the guy that was going to do my job right. i shook my head and my mouth said yes best thing i ever did yeah. <laughs> had nothing but fun i'm serious yeah. i got along with those guys yeah yeah <laughs> they accepted me and i don't know how because we were culturally from different ends of the planet at that time but we got along great so, and there was another guy on the road who wrote songs uh-huh. he was a truck driver who worked ended up working working with me he had a volume this Darryl big. Pierce? You- no, it wasn't Daryl Pierce. I know Daryl Pierce, by the way. Um, it, he had just lyrics in uh-huh. a bound notebook, a wire-bound note, like hundreds of them. Uh-huh. So I got a cheap guitar, and I said, I can write a melody. You write good. You write in 4-4 time. You write in even phrases. I can do something with this shit. Because right. I can write by myself, but I, can, I have no problem with writing with somebody else. Okay. As long as the lyric has a flow to it and you get it, when you before you give me some words that they have some form, then I will right. whip you a song yeah. off. <laughs> Let me interrupt you. Did, did you ever get a chance to 
just like off the cuff jam with any of those guys like like um know, just sitting around like on the bus or anything here's the just, story on the road the only place their guitars were uh-huh. were in road cases that were packed up after the show so in the hotel at night if we stayed if we didn't drive because uh-huh. you drive a lot and that in that touring life yeah. uh 12 till 5 in the morning is sometimes drive time Okay. To get to the next town in right. time for setup, you know, with the, if you have, especially if you're carrying production mm-hmm. with PA, you know, mm-hmm. that's a whole semi's got to be there at nine o'clock. Anyway, um, they didn't ever have guitars, oh. so it, whether it was Toy called while playing my guitar when I was a Tucker, these guys never had their guitars. They were always in the truck. <laughs> no one had a loose guitar. I swear to God, they wow. didn't. But they were at every day. They at, by three o'clock, they were in another city doing a two-hour sound check yeah. and then playing a full show at night. So maybe they didn't want the guitar in the in the hotel room. Maybe it was, in the, but in the parties in the hotel room, it was my guitar, my Martin. <laughs> so it was like Toy Caldwell would play it a little. Cool. And but that was just them playing my stuff. Right. What happened on Thirty Eight was way better. Mm-hmm. Thirty Eight Special had two girl singers, and that was part of that southern rock sound. You know, from the, right. what's that smell? You can hear those girls right, right. now. Yeah, yeah. That was the formula for the Southern Rock Band okay. at that time. Right. Two hot guitars, maybe two drummers, keyboard, yeah. and two girls. Oh, okay. And those girls were mine and Brian's friend. Brian was my buddy who I was traveling with, who had all these lyrics, and I was writing songs. We wanted to hear harmony, and the girls would come to our hotel room because we all you check in. You know these bands travel together like a caravan, mm-hmm. so that everyone's in the same hotel, and um, they just come to my room and uh, mine and Brian's room, and we sang all the time. Nice. So we didn't play guitars a lot. Right. I played the guitar, but there were yeah. songs I was writing, and we were making little recordings. We had an original four track cassette, multi track thing, uh-huh. and we were just stopping it in cities in Huntsville, in Little Rock, and we'd go in my room and record these songs, and then the girls would come in and start doing the harmonies. <laughs> so we had a good thing and it was a lot of fun yeah it sounds like we it. had a blast Shit. music on the road and both those girls never mind okay go on <laughs> great girls i love them beautiful women i love them right so so what are you doing now what it's uh is, am i missing anything in between there and now or just a bunch of bands a bunch of musical yeah. relationships then you have a band called grievous angel i did yeah what about them? What, that was did um, they get some notoriety? Yeah, we we were big in Detroit. Yeah. You know, um, it was an excellent band. It was off the charts good. Everyone could play their butts off. Uh-huh. I I always think. I mean, I, I was the weakest link in my opinion. But um, as far as chops and being able to really play that right. stuff, they were a great band. Uh-huh. It's Nolan Mendenhall on bass. Our first drummer was Ron Pangborn. Our second drummer was Todd Glass, and they're both really ridiculously good. Our first guitar player was David Mosier, who's more of a bluegrass guy, and he's off the charts. Uh, from, Mosier. From WDP? Yeah, from, no, it's a different David oh, Mosier. Okay. But you know David Mosier. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. Um, on mandolin, on acoustic guitar, electric guitar, fiddle, singing, high harmony. He's a monster. He's a, And that was our more acoustic direction. We started Grievous to be and then there was some bickering here and there and we ended up going with a more rock sound and we ended up david left and roscoe um brian way roscoe came back to be our guitar player who's 
one of my favorite guitar players on planet Earth. He's just that good. So Grievous played for about four years. The same time I was playing with Jill Jack, because I'd started oh, yeah. that band with her. I started her. Jill Jack. She's pretty cool. I yeah, she's a very nice lady. Yeah. But we started a project together called Jill Jack um, before Grievous. Mm-hmm. We did real well with that. And then in the middle of Grievous, I met a girl named Serana. I met her online. She was a Rennie. She's called the Renaissance Fair, and she always had a fiddle. I didn't know who she really was in Detroit. She's amazingly good. She's so good. And um, we started playing together, too. So now I had three projects going at that era around 2007, 8. Um, eventually, I couldn't keep my commitments with Jill. I was balancing these through groups, and I was booking a lot of it, too, so I could actually book myself where I needed to be and make the right. schedule work. Right. But Jill was pushing hard to go forward and I was pushing hard to play with Serana. Mm-hmm. And I was getting tired of Grievous Angel because it was all the boys and I love these guys, but they're all hard-ass guys and I was tired of the hard-assing. <laughs> I, I just said, I want to play with a girl. I need I need something a little softer <laughs> around me than all this right. testosterone. Right. Yeah. Um, so in that same moment, um, I ended up playing more music with Serrano Berlin, and we wrote lots and lots of songs. We won a ton of Detroit Music Awards. I won a bunch with Jill Jack. I produced her first couple albums uh-huh. with her. Um, I was very much part of that, the music that was being created in there. But that was starting to go in different divergent directions. And in Grievous Angel, I wrote most of the songs. On the first album, David Mosher wrote half of them. But when he left... We lost a songwriter. Roscoe wasn't a songwriter. So I wrote the whole second album, and Nolan wrote a couple. Nolan Mendenhall, the bass player. But I was getting into this writing thing. It was really starting to blossom for me again. We missed my whole Ashcan Van Gogh era, which was a very big band in Detroit. I've heard of them, yes. And that was, okay. but that was... Um, that was the 80s, wasn't it? That was, yeah, it was after I got off the road doing merchandising, and um, I met my buddy JC in, um, in a treatment center where his dad was a guest. Okay. And I was a guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had a great time in treatment centers. Um, good music, good, good little break. A <laughs> little break right. in, the, in the action. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, the, Ashcan was a great group, but I'm going to just continue so we get to the present. Um, Ashcan was fantastic, in fact. Great harmony singing group, just like I always wanted. I'll have to look. Great vocal up. group, and um, there's not a lot of really good studio recording stuff online, but you can find stuff. Okay, you can find us playing live, and you'll hear that we can sing. Okay, it was all about the harmony blend. Oh, right on. And it's not that it's Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but they're the way I look at it, we were just all into the same thing. We could have all liked the new Christy Minstrels as kids <laughs> because it was about singing. Right. You know, we liked the singing bit. You know, I, I like the bands that do harmonies. It, it, it sets them apart from everybody else, and you know, I don't always need it, but it's nice, right? And, and it's that's something I've worked on with my band, with Paul and I. You know, harmonizing, and it just takes the song to a different level. It's, it gives you that little accent, yeah, and when the yeah. chorus comes up, I mean, look at the Beatles. Would the Beatles be as big as they were? Without the harmony. No, because or they the, were part or, of the vocal groups. Or, or the Beach Boys, you know? Well, the no. Beach Boys, it was all. It was 99.9% about those harmonies yeah. and the yeah. arrangement of those harmonies. Sure. Yeah. The guy was just off the charts, yeah. Brian. Yeah. yeah, so those are all the groups I like. But I like jamming groups, too. Yeah. I like just guitar groups. Sure. But yeah. but my thing, I was strong. I said I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it just that came more natural. What do you listen to? What are you? I listen to everything. Yeah. I mean, damn near everything. I go through phases, like 
I'm listening to a lot of Black Sabbath right now, which is cool. I, I yeah, I can go through a phase Black of that, Sabbath, but only but only Ozzy Black Sabbath. I, right. I, I don't really care for for the uh, for the Ronnie James deal. I love Ronnie James deal as Ronnie James deal, but not so much with Black Sabbath. Uh, I they the whole band changed their sound when they got to him. It's just not the same. But anyway, now that's that, a great record. That for <laughs> by the way, a record I did not understand in high school when it came out. Which one? Oh, the first Black. Yeah, Sabbath. just because I was going a whole different direction. <laughs> yeah. But now you said, "What do I listen yeah. to?" I listen to everything. Yeah. Now I can see the value in a bunch of stuff I didn't like before. Uh-huh. I go, no, that was a thing. Yeah. I, and that is a fucking cool thing. Yeah. And the yeah, guys who I, do that I, thing are the real thing. I, 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 I love discovering. Uh, artists that have been around forever, but I didn't know, never really listened to it, and and then the realization is like, what the hell was it? Why like don't Gra- I know about like this? the Grand Parsons like, like thing? The you were Grand talking. Parsons thing, exactly. It's like why don't you know? I I you know I kind of brag about how much I like different types of music. Why don't I know about this? And like and you know, Towns Van Zant was was one that I can think of. You know, it's like. Holy shit! Why didn't I know about this guy? You know, you know I didn't know much about Towns Van Zandt until even with the hit song by Amalu, "If I Needed You." I didn't really mm-hmm. maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah, and I'd already been living in Tucson around folk singers and country and hippies playing country kind of shit. Right, right. I've been doing that since '72. Mm-hmm. Hippies playing country, you know, just mm-hmm. not country from Nashville. I'm talking me and you. Right. Deciding that's the cool music, right? And that's what our grandfather listened to. Why aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's what, that's what people like when I was a kid. Is like, oh, country music sucks, and it's like, really? Well, why don't you give me your Rolling Stones records? Because there's a lot of country in there. You Absolutely, know? <laughs> it's in everything. It's, right. it's it's an amazing. It's a gift of America. Yeah, I got to tell right. you, it's a beautiful fucking thing. Right. I listen to Willie's Roadhouse. Yeah, probably thirty percent. It's a great fucking station. <laughs> birthday yeah. yesterday, right? Yeah, it was his birthday. That's yeah. a great show. Yeah. I mean, a yeah. station. And yeah. it, if you're on the highway, you'll find you'll feel better in more miles of that ride on that station. There's something about that station and that selection of late '50s to early '70s kind of country. I listen mostly to outlaw country. <laughs> It's they, a little harder. They expanded a little more. They even go into like some punk rock, actually. But uh, oh well, because a lot of country is punk. I yeah. mean, social distortion is country yeah. punk. Sure. Yeah. And actually, when they first had um, what's the name of that show again? Out, Outlaw Country. Outlaw right. Country. Yeah, well, that used to be called X station. Country. Well, yeah, uh, that X was Country on X uh, on uh, XM Radio. Yeah. Yeah. I was on that. My first album oh, really? got three placements oh, on that. Nice. I got oh, it's like number fifteen. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> where I discovered uh, uh, Chris. <laughs> not Christopherson. No, not oh, Chris Stapleton. No, not Chris Stapleton either. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Knight. You know who Chris Knight is? No, I is? don't know. I'll have to turn you on to him. He's he's from Kentucky. He's from from the backwoods of Kentucky. But he's also a college graduate. He's very, he's very smart. But when he talks, he's you know, if you didn't know him, you'd think he's kind of really dumb. Well, just, but he's really, really smart, and his songs show just how smart he is. And Chris Knight. Chris Knight. Yeah. Um, you ever hear the song "It Ain't Easy Being Me"? That was like his big commercial hit. 
Uh, but it wasn't a commercial hit until somebody else did it. I think, uh, um, what's that guy on the on the singing show? That's a uh, anyway. The voice. What, oh, yeah. He, the country what's, guy. What's that guy? What is name? his name? Um, it doesn't matter. He's because, married to the rock girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guestan. Yeah, whatever. Gwen Gwist- but anyways, <laughs> so my point being, when he sings the song, I don't believe him. You know, I don't I believe mean? much about him. I don't. I don't believe it's. Yeah, it's like I don't believe it's. It's hard being you, <laughs> you know. But when Chris Knight sings it, I believe it was hard for yeah, being. Yeah, I'm him. starting to think I know who he is. <laughs> I'll check it out later. It, the name's on the tip of my tongue. But anyways, back to you. <laughs> Let's keep moving down that scale. Okay, so I did all those bands, got with Serana, and it was all about songwriting. We did well here in Detroit, and we started doing these live from Billy's Basement videos, which really helped. Those. They really helped me out here in Detroit to be a working musician uh-huh. because it was better than gigging a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were likable. Um, there were simple live productions in my basement. The you know, whole key was write a song and let's be like 1950s TV, just bring in the band, teach it to them, play it twice, then run tape. And that was the whole concept of <laughs> right. the thing. You know, do it real raw, real fast, trust everybody that they're going to do pretty darn good. Uh-huh. And that's we put those up. And that helped just with visibility and being able to work. Because people didn't know your name, because the internet was spreading things a lot faster than people coming to my shows and mm-hmm. passing it word of mouth. That never was happening that good for me. It happened good in Ashcan, happened great with Jill Jack. People knew me because of Jill Jack, but she was way better at engaging with the audience and making sure they were coming back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right on. And um, that helped with things for a while. So, I, and I did those all with Serana. And then Serana moved to England. Um, we went there to play. We did a little tour. Yeah, I went you out. go there every year, don't you? I do, yeah. but the, we got there because of those Live from Billy's Basement videos. Some guy in Exeter, England, whose brother works for Ford, which everyone in England thinks Ford's an English company, by the way. It's just the fridge. Oh. <laughs> they all think of Ford as English over there. Anyway, he worked for Ford there and was transferred to something in South Lyon, Michigan. So... Therefore, my buddy, and this guy was friends with his brother, Facebook, kept seeing these videos, and he contacted me, and he said, how would you like to come play England? So I had no contracts, no nothing, so I trusted this guy, and he said, I can provide three hotel rooms, um, five gigs, two radio shows, and some time in a studio, and there won't be much money in it, but you'll get the hotels, and I'll get you food at the gigs. I asked um, Serana, you want to go? And she goes, yeah. And then I felt bad for Jill. I said, can you get Jill on this thing? He goes, yeah, we like Jill. Okay, so I got Jill. And um, who else did I go with? Jill, me, and Serana. Uh, yeah, the boyfriends and the girlfriends. Um, <laughs> Serana was solo, even though she's my partner. People thought whatever they thought. And then I w- took um, my girlfriend at the time, Maureen Hogan. And Jill, had, who was an ex-girlfriend of mine in a way, she got, just got married, so she brought her husband. So we had five of us, well, three musicians 
and two spouses, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went over and took this guy's word for it. We bought tickets, ended up in Exeter, England, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Things worked out. There wasn't a lot of money in it, but we had gigs. We had people. We met people every uh, night. There was full rooms or people to engage with. Um, it was that's, a total experience yeah, for yeah. us in every which way. So it was everything the guy said it was. Exactly. Yeah. And it, I, thought, I thought you were totally going the other way with it. No, we it was. There, we were stranded. No, it was really good. We had our hotel rooms. Uh, I had a good time. And Serana had such a good time that she got it in her head that I'm moving here. (laughs) So she ended up meeting a guy online and um, met a guy on a a dating site from England. They talked every day for a year, and um, he ended up coming here and bringing a ring. And she moved to England, which facilitated me now playing in England every year like you've seen. Right. Because she ended up doing very well there real quick in the western part of England, in the folk scene. Okay. Okay. Enough to have a, people to play with, a hundred people that go to see shows. Do you know what I mean? Like a little mini, because that's all it takes. Sure. hundred people that like you, right. they'll go to four venues, yep. you're, you're golden, you can work, yeah. you know? <laughs> that's great. That's so great. that happened for the last ten years, and uh, I don't know, the... Getting to now, um, and then, then of course, um, when Serrano left, all those videos that we did were all Billy's basement band. Mm-hmm. Now, when Serrano moved, we had to name that band because if you watch those videos, it's John Hoke, Todd Glass, Chris Denor on guitar, sometimes Drew Howard playing pedal steel. Um, Chris Denor is a monster. Oh, he's a I mean, super guitar player. And, and what yeah, a well, har- he can do damn near what anything. A harmonizer. Too. He's a great harmony singer, yeah. he, great piano player. He's got great rhythm. Is that right? He's yeah. just that good. Yeah. Chris is that guy yeah. that you want playing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he can do his own thing any day he wants, but mm-hmm. he's that good. Anyway, so that band needed a name and a direction. Serrano left. We called it the Sugarees. Yeah. And yeah. that's how we started Sorry. that band. Yeah. Yeah, good band, a solid band, and uh, we had different keyboard is players. That a, was that like a, uh, a Grateful Dead? Uh, no, that just, I, I love the Grateful Dead to death, yeah. uh-huh. and I love that song, Sugary. But it was, we jam, we love right. the dead, mm-hmm. me and Chris do. Right. But it was just, I could see, when I could just see a marketing, branding, poster T-shirt with that name. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of... The labels on um, fruit cartons. Well, that's a great name. Yeah, the sugar reason. Yeah. I kept thinking of fruit labels. You've seen the American, like orange labels on the sides of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's there's a whole art form of it. Yeah. Well, your album. Uh, exactly. Uh, is River, that? Uh, what is it? Time stands still or Riverside? Riverside. Yeah. Well, actually, the first one is not time stands still. Time, um, time is now. I, I like time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is a fruit label that yeah. was designed by yeah. Mark Arminsky yeah. and then by Eric Kelly redesigned mm-hmm. to be a classic American fruit mm-hmm. label that mm-hmm. you would see on a, a wooden uh, carton of oranges coming right. from California. Right, right. So yeah, that where we did that for a couple of years. Uh, we did that for five years, and both records did well. I think um, they both won the Detroit Music Award for Best Record in Americana. Um, they did, in fact. We won for bunch of it was a great band it still is yeah. but with the pandemic and that's where we are today everything changed dave Falk played on some of that too didn't he he plays on two songs on riverside yeah. um, there's an instrumental me and him do together that it's just me and him so he plays the slide on uh um 
Oh, uh, gosh. The song that I like. <laughs> no, that's us. That's Chris. Oh, is that Chris? World Turning? World Turning. Yeah, yes. that's Chris playing Electric Slide on yeah. a Telecaster. Oh, okay. I thought that was I thought that was Dave. It could have been Dave, but it's I, actually Chris. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought it was no, I honestly thought it was his Dobro but with a lot of uh, a lot of effects. reverb on it, yeah. yeah. No, that's actually uh, okay. uh Chris playing Tele. I remember him doing that part. Okay. But yeah, Dave plays um me and Dave play together a lot. Yes. We ended up doing all the little Mellow, easygoing gigs mm-hmm. up north. Dave's a great player. He's real melodic. Um, he, he played on a couple of my tunes. I know that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So. And he's a good, good person to hang with. He's easygoing and yep. Um, yep. sugaries. It's not really. That's a, not a Dave Fox. He's on a record, but that's that's really the sugaries. Oh, right that's a kind of a more rocking band. We have it a quiet side, uh, but and then the what happened was the. Um, the um, as soon as everything locked down, because the last Sugary's gig was March fourteenth, two thousand twenty, we were going to be completely locked down within a week. We already knew there was major problems with um, something going on in Amer- in the world, right? Because I remember bringing Clorox wipes to my gig at Fishbones right. on March fourteenth. <laughs> I was already going, oh, this yeah. is this, this shit's in the yeah. fan here. It was like we we're waiting for Godzilla to, you know. Land. I remember bringing a baggie of Clorox wet wipes on March 14th. The week before, we had played it. Um, oh, and I remember that night. I was smoking a joint on the side of the restaurant, and I had a coughing attack. And I think I just oozed something on my bass player's hand or something. Oh, gross. And he's like, oh, man. I went, I know, I know. But you know I cough every time I smoke a joint. It's not, I'm not sick with that thing. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, and now nowadays you know, you know you got a cough and you're like <coughs> you're trying to hold it in, you know. Oh, I know. Especially when once you put that thing on, it makes you yeah. cough if you yeah. smoke because it changes the yeah. kind of the looseness in there. Yeah. Everything moves for a minute, and you got to cough yeah. if you're a smoker. Yeah. And I am. I know yeah. you are too. Yeah. Anyway, so um, lockdown happens, and you know a lot of people were going to navigate this thing in their own personal way, which I totally respect. But the people I was playing with were not going to be getting together to play. No. It just wasn't going to be happening. And um, first, I wasn't even, for six to eight weeks, I was trying to get together with you, and I kept changing my mind whether I was going to come out or not. Right. <laughs> that was right. around that same time. But yeah. what did happen for me was, first of all, I started, I had been in Florida playing with this, uh, my a couple friends of mine that are in a group called the Hummingbirds. They're a duo. They're a yeah, husband and wife, and this was right in January of 2020. We were in till February, actually. I was in Florida, so we're playing a lot of. We started writing a lot of stuff. We ended up doing more stuff online for the first couple months of this. That's quotes lockdown, um, and that was very productive, though. Mm-hmm. And I got right into it, and they, you know, playing, and I just felt songs coming. So I, whatever I had an idea, I would just put it on Facebook. I said, and then people, you know, why are you doing that? I said, you know something? If you don't like it, scroll on. Right. This is now my radio station. I'm going to use it for (laughs) all the fuck it's worth. Right. And I'm going to piss off some people, but I'm going to get a bunch of attention. Or Mm -hmm. someone's going to listen to what I have to say, and I'm going to hear about it or not. Well, the the response has been really good. I'll get into that more. Anyway, so I started writing songs with them online, a guy named Greg Palos. Rachel Lynn and Steve Wood, we were we wrote a series of songs 
doing these group songwriting things. And I kept putting those up. Then it was getting warmer out, and they came to town. We did a concert in my back porch. And then my childhood friend, Carrie Gluckman, who's the guy who plays the cajon in some of those videos you see, and his wife, Raquel Salese, they were cool with getting together. That's what it mattered. If you weren't going to be cool with it, we can't do it. Right, right, right. They just sort of figure what – they knew I was already a, kind of a paranoid freak because I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm germ conscious. It's all that marijuana you smoke. Yeah, it is. And it keeps me very germ conscious. <laughs> That's why I quit smoking pot. It's like, ah. No, I, I actually like that little bit of paranoia. It keeps you on your toes. <laughs> Anyway, we started yeah. playing together a lot and making it a regular thing. And a lot of it was about to create sanity. Uh-huh. Um, just the regular playing music with uh, with partners, sure. with rhythm. And um, we, it was a small group. It was a trio. We could get it all done in a trio. Yeah, a little bit of normalcy for you. I mean, it, and it was healing. Normal for you is playing music with your friends. Exactly. So yeah. we never stopped doing that. And I don't know if they don't get pissed off, but we never did it wearing masks. Right. I can't do that. I can't. I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> How can you? I mean, the <laughs> well, that's a, you know, some people are asking me to do shows last summer. Can you do it with a mask and a shield? <laughs> anyway, that is what it, this has been lately. And at the same time as that, we started coming up with a thing that was different than the Sugarees and different than Billy and yeah. Serana. And different than Grievous Angel, and with the cajon, and the, and it gave me a freedom to get in. Number one, to play some more guitar. Yeah, I you, always never play lead, but I started playing lead all the time in this very spacious trio. Mm-hmm. Has a lot of space to it, and um, it's different than being in a rock band. Is that the is that the stuff you did at, <coughs> at the uh, rooftop? rooftop? That's that studio? band recorded well, yeah. yes, yeah. and it sounds good. Yeah. It's very full. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. So. And I had been writing a lot of songs. Um, I actually wrote a lot last summer. I was my parents had a place in Charlotte, right on Lake Michigan, for like forty years. It's gone now. My sister just sold it. But um, I wrote a bunch of songs. I'd bring them back to Carrie and Raquel. And at the same time, I had met this woman Elaine, and um, I'd met her before the lockdown. I didn't know she was a songwriter at the time. I didn't know what her story was. I knew she sang, and I opened up my life to her a little bit mm-hmm. and she opened herself to me that's what people have to do to get out of their personal bubble i've right. had to do that and, the, so, and that's the girl you're uh, been playing with yeah okay so what happened when i started playing with her and i said this feels really good too yeah and this is a good. brand new thing and then um within a couple of months of just singing together a bit singing covers and stuff she's got this really cool voice I had a song. I needed some lyrics. I, I know. I, I got really loaded one night. I turned on my tape and my phone, came up with this time standstill <laughs> chorus uh-huh. and this little progression. And then I just passed out and put the phone down. Right. Next day, I sent it to her. I made up a bunch of words that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I, but I needed something to keep the place of the melody. Right. That's my right. little technique. Yeah, I, that's make, what I, do. I make up shit and I edit it later. Right. I just, I just blurt out random words that don't mean anything to each other. Until I, I'll hit one word. Well, that's an interesting word. Let's build it around that. Exactly. Yeah. I do the exact same yeah. thing. It's yeah. kind of stream of consciousness yeah. shit pouring yeah. out of my mouth. Right. And then a few of those 
weird streams mm-hmm. form a very logical thing. Yeah. And I go, there it is. Yep. Yep. I'll listen yep. to it the next day, go, oops, yep. there's a theme here. Right. And I'll yeah. follow it down. Yeah. This time I just sent it to her. Right. So you can write some lyrics. So she sends me back um lyrics um that are really, really lyrics I can sing that felt like they came out of my mouth. Right. That's all oh, that that's matters. Cool. It's got to wow, be able to nice. feel like my mouth can say them. Right, right. And they worked, and uh, it was for time stand still. Mm-hmm. And then we put together a little demo with them, um, and I found out she could sing great harmony. She arranged with her little computer plug-in set up like that, that mm-hmm. little mini interface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, yeah. She was more talented than I yeah, realized. That, that, that video <clears throat> that I just watched this morning where you guys you started out your – you're laughing at some inside joke. Yeah, that was Time Stands Still, but the third can, time we put it up. I mean, I, and I really like that song, but I like I like that you guys started out laughing at this inside joke because it just shows that you had... Chemistry. You, you have this, right, you just have this thing, and, it, and it's really cool, and she's just like being nonchalant and singing along with you, and it's really good. That nonchalant, and, that's her thing. It's question and answer. That's yeah. her style. I'll mm-hmm. go... La da 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 play with Carrie and Raquel, going, this would sound really great with the bass and drums. Let's, will you try this tune? And they would try it, and they'd come up with a take on it. So now we're finally putting it all together. And this uh, show coming up at Wiltsy's, which I just I haven't put it on the invitation yet, we're going to mm-hmm. start playing a concert together. So it'll be the three of us plus her. So okay. it's going to be very vocal heavy, one guitar, one bass, and percussion. Oh, nice. No lead guitar, except for when I play it. Which means the rhythm drops out and it's very open. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no one strumming. Right. And I kind of want to do this for a while. It's pushing me to play better guitar, Excellent. which is important to me. And I feel like I'm improving. You can teach an old dog a new trick, <laughs> which I'm happy about. Yeah. And that's, uh, and <clears throat> what we got coming up, well, by the time this goes on, we'll have already played. But we'll be doing things as, in that unit for a while. Um, I haven't had any opportunities for a band like the Sugarys and get get everybody paid. Right. And I tried to get the only bars hiring that would play original music. Kaju Cafe hasn't called me back. I said, they don't want me back. I never really drew that well there right. last couple of times. So yeah. maybe they don't want me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But this trio, that ain't about the money. Everyone's just playing for love. and Right. Well, you know, it's, like we said, it's all about the music, and, and and it's really good. So you never know; it might catch fire with with a lot of people. And it has online. Time, it just hasn't. Are, times are changing, and music changes, and we'll see. You know, it, good point. It could be. It could be. Maybe. Maybe just now. Is, or maybe it's. <laughs> it is just what it is. It that is. that moment of, of yeah. us creating it and had some. You've seen online. We get good response. We yeah. do. Yeah. Um. Maybe that's what it is for now, and maybe mm-hmm. that's my hit. Are you on Instagram or anything else? No, I, like I, that? I'm not. I should be. <coughs> <coughs> I'm about to have a coughing attack here, <laughs> which is so uncool these days to be inside someone's house. You can't be coughing. Uh, 
I got an early gig in the morning. I got a farmer's market. Oh, yeah. Which one? Rilo? Yep. Oh, where, where you, me and Dave, you've seen us there. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll head out there tomorrow. Anyway, that's my story. Yeah, that's your story. It's a good story. Let's, one more thing before I ask you to play some, a uh, couple songs here. Do you remember what your very first song is that you wrote? Do you remember it? He's getting, he's grabbing his guitar. I remember the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> this is too close. Let me kill this mic. It's real directional. Yeah. Well, Let me back up a bit. Well, I turned it into directional. It, it was, it's a open oh, mic, but right. I, I taped off the backside of it so it didn't sound so airy. Lay me down at Parabasque. Keep me th- feeling in my very best. Lay me down at Parabasque. That's all I remember. And I made up the word Parabasque. P-A-R-A-B-E-S-Q-U-E as a place. A, uh-huh. An idyllic It's just some paradise. place you made up, huh? Parabesque. Parabesque. And that was the first oh, song I ever wrote. Uh, Lay me down at Parabesque. <laughs> there, there probably is some Shangri-La there. Like a Shangri-La. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what I would think might be my first song. And there was a, another one was, a, I think I had made up my own version of Rock Me on the Water, but I stole the lyrics from Jackson Brown, so... <laughs> anyway. Right on. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being here, Billy. I'm going to have you. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm going to s- send you over to Studio B over here. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, we're going to hook up your guitar. And uh, I really appreciate you being here. And, and it, it, it means so much to me because it means to me that you find value in what I'm trying to do here in appreciation. And sometimes we don't think people. It goes back to wondering if anybody digs what we're doing. But this is a little bit different than music. You know, it's like not everybody's going to listen to us talking about it, but. If you put it on my page, we can get some mileage out of it. Right on. Okay. So we'll be back in a couple minutes, and Billy's going to play some songs. Allow me to present the newest sensation of the entertainment world. Get Clarence! Okay, this one's called um it's called Back to Detroit City and uh I wrote it at uh the begin right before the pen the lockdown started, I was driving from Florida back to Detroit and I remember because there was stuff on the radio but it wasn't officially a pandemic, but I was feeling a lot of pressure to get my ass home. Um, I had stuff to take care of, and I just had to be in my home because I, 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 could, I sensed the shit was hitting the fan in general for about a lot of things. So I wrote this song in a hotel room somewhere like northern Georgia, maybe in Kentucky. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I wrote it on my iPhone. It was actually on my iPad, and it came out pretty quick. Call back to Detroit City. Okay. 
Well, there ain't no way out. And I know I keep running, I keep running. Don't want to die before I face all the things I've left behind. I'm going back to Detroit City. Back to Detroit City. Back to Detroit City. That's where I'm from. Traveling down these roads, I've seen some things. It's a scary time to do much of anything. But I know, gotta face my home. I'm going back to Detroit City. Back to Detroit City. Back to Detroit City. That's where I'm from. If you see her, tell her hello. I'm thinking about her way too much, I know. And I know we'll meet again on that golden shore. I'm going back to Detroit City. Back to Detroit City Back to Detroit City That's where I'm from I'm going back to Detroit City Back to Detroit City Back to Detroit City That's where I'm from Take it out here guys thanks guys and that was yeah that was a year ago maybe a year and two months and then i wrote this with my friend elaine schoendorf she actually has a alter ego it's ruby dew and believe me it's two opposite people that walk in the same body and i'm thankful because ruby's fun elaine's great and smart and nice but ruby is really fun Anyway, this is a song we wrote together called Time Stands Still, which you take that Detroit City and put it through the cosmic meat grinder and you come out with this. <laughs> ¶¶ 
Standing on the mountain, looking down, seeing troubles everywhere. No one knows which way to go, who to trust, deceit is in the air. Nothing seems to be as it was a while ago. Finding truth today is a long, hard road. Oh, Lord, tell me what I need to know. Time stands still. Everything is happening. Time stands still. Oh, oh, time stands still. Everything is happening. Time stands still. Whoa. On my knees, looking up, looking for a sign from you. No one knows which way to go, who to trust, we haven't got a clue. Look over there, there's a sacred cow. Don't rock the boat, they'll throw stones at you now. Don't ever question what you think you know. The one-eyed man is king, you know Time stands still Everything is happening Time stands still Oh, oh, time stands still Everything is happening Time stands still Yeah sacred cow don't rock the boat they'll throw stones at you now don't ever question what you think you know the one-eyed man is king you know where's the truth where's the sun i can't be the only one tell me how to break away I'm here tomorrow, I'm gone today Time stands still, everything is happening Time stands still, oh, oh Time stands still, everything is happening Time stands still, whoa, oh Time stands still Everything is happening, time stands still, whoa, whoa, time stands still, everything is happening, time stands still, whoa.
time stands still time stands still guys thank you all right we got time for one more i gotta go all right well billy billy brant thanks for being here like i said (laughs) thanks for having me robert really (laughs) i appreciate you being here like i said make a link i'll push this all over the place and hopefully get some people to listen to it and we'll go on from there all right brother thanks for being here man Hey, brother. Thanks for being here. Thanks thanks for having me. Love you, man. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bravo. Billy Brandt. So there you have it. There's my interview with Billy Brandt. If you made it through this far, you've uh, come to realize that I'm losing my mind as well as my memory. I can't remember who I'm talking to or who I'm referencing about. But we'll get through that. Anyhow, it was a lot of fun to do it. Thank you, Billy, for being there. It was a real pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Billy Brandt, ladies and gentlemen. Stick around for Will's Kitchen Chronicles. Love you, love you, baby, and all that kind of groovy junk. Baby, I'll be your ever-loving punk All right, you're listening to Radio Americana And this is our third installment of Will's Kitchen Chronicles Where I sit down with Will Scott And we talk about the songs that we recorded in his kitchen how you doing tonight, Will? What'd you say about Will? I'm here now. You can't just talk about me. <laughs> I said, how you doing tonight, Will? Oh, how you doing tonight, Will? If I was doing any better, there'd be two of me. Will you do any better? Well, you probably couldn't handle it, and neither could I, so <laughs> one's good enough. Right, huh? Well, let's talk about your songs, and... uh we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about some of your songs that we recorded, and then I'm going to play the songs, for those of you that don't know. You already know that, Will. Uh-huh. So anyways, so I have a list of songs here that we recorded in your kitchen, as I've said. We were drunk, too. Uh, we got there. We didn't start that way. Well, no, we didn't start that way. You're right. <laughs> but three bottles of wine later... We had gold, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving home. Fuck. Anyhow. So well, let's, that's, that's after bar alert, though. <laughs> 3 o'clock is after bar alert. Yeah, well. I told you you could sleep on the couch, man. That's, yeah. you know. Yeah, my wife wouldn't like that. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> 
So anyway, so let's talk about your song, uh, Baby Girl. What's that about? That's, well, I wrote it thinking, I, you know, how things like that happen. I wrote it thinking about my baby girls when they were little babies and uh, came to realize that, man, I wrote this this about everybody's baby girls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was thinking I wrote it for the baby girls. I didn't write it for the baby girls. I wrote it for the dads of the baby girls. Come on. Right. Wake up, Will. <laughs> so... So then uh, when I ended with the, you know, grandpa's baby girl, I said, yep, okay, that's the end of it. That's that's how it's supposed to be. And uh, I, I, I'm amazed at myself that it took me probably a month, six weeks, <laughs> to figure out that I did not write it for the girls, wrote it about the girls, uh, and I wrote it for the dads. Uh, it just fell on me way, way after the fact. About the baby girls for the dads of the baby girls. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never had any baby girls, but... No, well... They have baby boys. They still poop their their diapers, though. <laughs> <laughs> Don't matter. Right. Uh, uh, quick. I'll make it quick. When my girls, uh, uh, Rachel, the oldest, she was pushing on, she was three, and Martha, the youngest, was wasn't even walking yet, and and. and uh, typical afternoon when my wife, their mom, was in school, uh, I, I was watching the kids until she got home and I'd go to work in the truck factory. But typically two or three big old hairy bikers would come over and they'd sit cross-legged on the floor, these big bad bikers, leather-clad, scary-looking dudes, <laughs> and play with Rachel's toys, hold Martha, and sing songs and stuff with Rachel. Uh, they're all dead now. But they were, they were beautiful human beings, and I'm, I'm really glad that uh, they did that. And, and, and they would almost throw up when I would change Martha's diaper. Man, you, you, the guy that just ate the head off a lizard last night at a party, right. and you're worried about a little baby's poop? Come on. That gave me a good uh, excuse to harass him. Well, with that, let's play the song, Baby Girl.
baby girl, baby girl, sweetest baby in the world. Prettier than the prettiest string of pearls. And no one can make you smile like your own baby girl, daddy's baby Baby girls with those fuzzy slippers on their feet Baby girls to their papa, they are so sweet Baby girls in diapers and they make a mess of them And old dad just washes the kid off, put a new diaper on them Baby girls all too soon grow into their teens The most insane creature you've ever seen Try to remind them they got to go by the rule and they get sent home for what? Fighting in school? Not my baby girl, baby girl, sweetest baby in the world. But no one can make you as mad as that baby girl. And no one can break your heart like that baby girl Daddy's baby girl Baby girls grow up, make their own life Mom and Dad, well, they still love them And they do something cool and they do really good And Mom and Dad are so proud of them And you don't see them for way too long But then when you do they set your heart a whirl You hug and kiss that beautiful full-grown woman Say I love you baby girl Baby girl, baby girl Sweetest baby in the world And no one can make you as proud as your own Baby girl Daddy's baby And just when you think no one in the world could be as sweet as your baby girl. Baby girl calls you on the phone and says, Daddy, I had the baby. And it's a girl. Baby girl, baby girl, sweetest baby in the world. Pretty string of pearls And no one can make you smile quite like your very own brand new baby girl Grandpa's baby All right, well, that was Baby Girl by Will Scott. And Will Scott's sitting here talking about his songs with me. Drinking so, wine, uh, too. Well, you're drinking wine. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> wine gives me heartburn, especially that stuff that you drink. Well, beer makes me poop too much, so. You drink that wine that's so dry that that's it's like, dry. Ah. That's a medium. 
it, it's all it's, dry it's to me. Paul Mason on. Oh no, no that's I'm, that's the glass. For me, oh. Kool Aid hit or for me, wine has to taste like Kool Aid. That's why I like port wine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, that'll that'll make your eyes glaze. And over. and I like it cold. You, <laughs> you like the drink that you in animal room temperature is like oh, huh. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. It can be you know no. three or four degrees lower than room temperature. No, I, I like to put it in the freezer. Ew. <clears throat> Anyhow, though, let's talk about your next song. This one is one of my favorite ones. It's one of the first songs I ever heard you play. This is called uh, "Biker Born, Biker Bred." Ah. Uh. Yeah. How long ago did you write that? So, so you you want the whole story on this? I'll I'll make it quick. I'm minding my own business. I'm not messing with anybody. Sarto's the Cherokee hitman. Calls my phone. He comes up a lot in these conversations. <laughs> it was the song was his idea. Okay. He says, "Get your ass over here, man! Get on your scooter right now!" Get over here right now. I got I got this song written down that you're going to love it. But what I need is a chorus, and I need the basic music. I said, okay. So don't bring your guitar. You know I got five of them. Okay, okay. Get on my scooter. I get there. I expect him to have a tablet with the verses written down. Uh, he had a verse written on the refrigerator and a red grease pencil. <laughs> he had a verse written on a gas receipt. He had a verse written on a Walmart receipt. He had a verse written on a dirty bastard ale beer carton. <laughs> he had a verse written on his toolbox and white paint stick. <sighs> Sometimes it bees that way. <laughs> so, uh, so I bitched at him until he got it, got it all down on one sheet of paper, and I noticed there's like a line missing out of like how many verses? Probably three or four verses didn't have a last line. He said, "I said, well, how come this? You're leading up to something really cool here. What? What? How come you didn't finish that verse?" He said, "Well, I couldn't think of anything. You finished the verse." And like, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> I come up with the last line. And he's calling me a genius for coming up with the last line. Well, he came up with the first three, you know, <laughs> right. of each other. <laughs> and we, we finally got it together. And uh, the chorus is a uh, uh, sticker that my uh, cousin gave me for my motorcycle camper trailer. And it said, uh, biker born, biker bred, when I die, I'm biker dead. Mm -hmm. That's the chorus. But I just changed it to, when we die, we're biker dead. And What year was that? Uh, How long ago was that? 2005. Uh, I'll okay. say 2005. I'm pretty sure it was too. That's right around the time I met you, yeah. Yeah. So okay, yeah. yeah. I think I met you in '03. Yeah. Right around there. But because so, Sorto's wife, yeah. uh, Jan, uh, I can remember her sitting on the couch laughing when we we're working this song up. You know. 
<laughs> so you guys are sick. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, that reminds me, Steve Earle wrote the song Mercenaries on the back of a pizza box when he were, when he was just a kid working in a pizza shop. Yeah, I read that somewhere too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you never know is he like songs come to you when you know, you, and you know it's good when it's just it just keeps gnawing at you. So you got to write it down wherever you're at with whatever yep, you have. Yep. So <laughs> you're at Walmart the, or scratch the gas it in station. The dirt, you know, that's what's so great about phones is like Oh yeah, da 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 da. Yeah, I still carry a notepad in my pocket yeah. all the time, right in. just for yeah. you know phone numbers or whatever. All right, well let's play the song "Biker Born, Biker Bred" by Will Scott, co-written by Sorto's Cherokee Hitman. It's his idea. <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> Biker born and biker bred And when we all die we'll be biker dead Biker born, biker bred When we all die we'll be biker dead Flip a switch, turn a key, push a button or kick it Wheels, motor, handlebars, enough to get a ticket You can drive your car in the rain to stay dry But you know bikers, they'd rather ride cause they're Biker born and biker bred, and when we all die, we'll be bikers dead. Biker born, biker bred, when we all die, we'll be bikers dead. Packed and leather clad Hope the traffic ain't too bad Topped off tanks, one last cup Be in the wind before the sun comes up Tired of working, got no chains Bills are paid and it might not rain Get on your scooter, get yourself gone It's the most fun you can have with your clothes on Cause you're Biker born and biker bred, and when we all die, we'll be biker dead. Biker born, biker bred, when we all die, we'll be biker dead. I met this biker woman. Her name was Sue, and her and her old man were covered with tattoos. He looked at me and he let a big fart. He said, it ain't just in your skin, bro, it's in your heart. Cause you're biker born and biker bred. And when we all die, we'll be biker dead. Biker born, biker bred. When we all die, we'll be biker dead. So ride one of them crotch rockets, man. That's okay, I'll keep my hairy old biker ass out of your way And you can ride them fast and you can ride them hard But don't you forget your organ donor card Cause you're biker born and biker bred And when we all die we'll be bikers dead Biker born and biker bred 
When we all die, we'll be bikers dead. Ride a Honda or a Harley or a Victory. If you like it, man, that's fine with me. Cause it's good if you're going and good if you've been. And it's all good when you're in the wind. So ride your own road. Be your own man. Work when you have to. Quit when you can. Drink when you're thirsty and whoop when you're high. And love a good woman and ride till you die. Cause you're biker born and biker bred. And when we all die, we'll be bikers dead. Biker born and biker bred. And when we All right, that was one of my favorite Will Scott songs, Biker Born, Biker Bread. I always like that song. So that brings us to another song of yours, which is kind of funny. Reminds me of the that, uh, Jack Nicholson movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, what is of. it? Uh, Bucket List. Yeah. Bucket List, yeah. yeah. I think you might have uh, borrowed something from there. But uh, or just but, it was just impressed on my psyche. I didn't know it. Yeah. It's it, it's a universal truth. Sure. <laughs> so you didn't really steal it. It's just something that's true. Yeah. So anyhow, the name of the song is "Never, Never, Never." So tell me about that. Uh, Key Largo, VFW. The bartender looked like. Ma Kettle. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sitting at the bar, and there's a table off to my left with really old guys. And there's a Air Force MP on one side of me uh, and an Army MP, and they were like young guys gulf war something like that and i'm vietnam so i'm the oldest guy at the bar but this table i kept focusing on these guys because they remind me of of guys that i knew all my from being a little kid you know because everybody i knew was a world war ii vet Uh and it turned out uh two of them were uh, uh pacific fleet World War Two Navy Pacific Fleet, holy shit! Those these guys are old. <laughs> and, and at the same table was two old uh, Korea Korean War Marines. So we, you know, whatever they were saying, we sh- we just shut up and listen if they started talking. <laughs> then the three of us kept making standard comments like, "Well, old guys always got to pee," you know. <laughs> stuff like that and that's that's how that song came about we're, we're laughing and uh model kettle behind the bar would glare at us <laughs> <laughs> for stating the obvious truths you know <laughs> and uh i think uh three of the old guys had their wives with them you gotta love and, those vfw barmaids though they they well, have that, that woman they have a lot of patience yes yes <laughs> 
That woman looked I mean, like, I've been in a like few the old VFW. movies. I'm not a vet, but I've been in a few VFWs. And yeah, that woman. They have a lot of patience. Yeah, like our VFW in Fenton with, with Joanne, I'm, she's absolutely gorgeous, cutest little thing you ever saw. And her, and her old man's a stellar human being. <laughs> you know, right. it's completely different from the Key Largo <laughs> okay. when I was there. Okay. Key Largo of VFW. But anyway. But she did look like Ma Kettle. From the movies, <laughs> yeah. we we did get her to crack a smile though, so, uh, you know, and she made good burgers. <laughs> so go figure. So that's how that song came about. It was just a bunch of guys sitting around laughing, joking, right, right. and listening to the jokes of the older guys, you know, the old guys. And it that was a long time ago. I think it was oh five, oh four, maybe. I retired in 03 and immediately went down to Florida to do some serious F&O. <laughs> you got to do that sometimes. You take was, shit too seriously, just got to bug in, out. I was intense on Just got to bug out. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's play the song. This is called Never, Never, Never. Went down to my VFW post Soak up a couple of beers Words of truth and honesty Fell golden on my ears There was a couple of World War II vets Who had served in the Pacific Fleet And at the same table was some Korea vets, two gnarly old marines. Now I had served in Vietnam, and there were some young vets from the Gulf War, but we were blown away by what these old guys had in store. They all said never pass up a urinal, cause old guys always gotta pee. Never waste a boner And their wives did agree And then there came those wise, wise words That we all took to heart They said never, never, never trust a fart Never pass up a urinal Never waste a boner And never, never, never Trust a fart. Now you young guys might laugh and scoff and say this song's a joke. You might not pay attention to the wisdom of the older folk. But I hope y'all live long enough To finally realize That amazing truth and revelation Of those older guys They all said never pass up a urinal Old guys always gotta pee 
never waste a boner And their wives did agree And then there came those wise, wise words That we all took to heart Said never, never, never trust a fart Never pass up a urinal Never waste a boner And never, never, never I said, they said Never, never, never Trust the fart <laughs> Alright, so that was Never, Never, Never by Will Scott in some wise words of wisdom there. Yep. That's kind of redundant, wise words of wisdom. There you go. I like that. <laughs> well. I like that. Wise words of wisdom. <laughs> uh, when, when, you know, you're five years old and the only only people that aren't kids are World War II vets. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of a... a uh, warms your heart to uh, run into them still alive in 05 or 3 or 2 or whatever it was. Right on. All right, well, uh, let's move on to the next song. The uh, The next song is Old Dog Walking. Oh, yeah. That's a true story, man. <laughs> they all are. Really? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's really a true story. It's, it's, it's him. It's the best dog I ever had. Ben... Move it closer to you. Move closer to the mic. <laughs> no, that's good. Because my, my mustache is touching. It's a little too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. But uh, uh, Old Dog Walking, uh, it's about Dog Brother Ben. He raised my kids. It was written by Bob Moore, wasn't it? No, I wrote this. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm thinking of a different I'm, one. I'm talking of, yeah. Uh, it don't matter, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to Bobby. But he was the best dog in the world, to my mind, and, uh -huh. and my kids uh, uh, save pictures of him. <laughs> you know. But it's all about him. It doesn't mention his name, but he's... Is all of this is the whole the whole song is from mine and Vicky Sue Toll's memory and my my kids' memory and talking talking about how cool of a dog Ben was. Right. On. And, but the thing I used to go to the Gridiron Bar in Pontiac every Tuesday and meet up with Randy Doughty who is another songwriter, and we would trade my old Martin back and forth and, and show each other what we're working on. And I showed him the progression to Old Log Walking, played it for him. And he said, you know, you got to write a dog song. I said, Randy, I already wrote a, two dog songs. He says, yeah, but you got to write a dog song to that progression. Come on, man. I start arguing with him. And he said, no, 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 no. Here. Takes the guitar, and he plays Stray Cat Strut. And I said, well, what the hell does 
That's, you're playing strikeout strut. He says, yeah, it's in B. And you're playing an F, and you're playing stray cat strut backwards. You better write a dog song. I want to hear it next week. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. All right. Well, let's, let's listen to it. That's, that's a cool story. Let's listen to stray cat backwards. <laughs> this is called uh, Old Dog Walking, written by Will Scott. Here, get in this truck. Dog walking, looking around. Dog walking, sniffing the ground. He's as wise as he can be. His nose knows more than you and me can see. Old dog walking, patrolling the fence. Keeps his distance cause he got good sense. He don't chase chickens cause he's too smart. But the way he runs a rabbit is a work of art. Oh, dog walking, looking around. Oh, dog walking, sniffing the ground. He's as wise as he can be. His nose knows more than you and me can see. I always take him with me when I go into town. I leave him in the truck with the windows down Tell him, don't you let nobody in this truck If you try to get in there, brother, it's your bad luck Cause he don't trifle, take a tip from me If you stick in five fingers, you might try back three And when you go camping, it's best to take him along. He growls real low at the coyote song. And when he bristles, looks a fright, but keeps the raccoons up in the trees all night. Oh, dog walking, looking around. Oh, dog walking, sniffing the ground. He's as wise as he can be. His nose knows more than you and me can see. All right, that was Old Dog Walking by Will Scott. Yeah, yeah. good song. My dad and my uncles always uh, told me to trust the dogs, watch them, see what they're doing. Just a dog's nose. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that uh, brings us to the end of this session of Will's Kitchen Chronicles. Catch us next time on Radio Americana. All right, yeah, get him the hell out of here, will you, please? Get him out of here. Throw him out. <laughs>